0: Hello, everyone. I'm Vishnu Rajamanikam, a technology reporter at Triface, and joining me today is Jonathan Rosenthal, the CEO of investment management firm, Saybrook Management. Jonathan is here today to discuss the future of global supply chains in the wake of the current pandemic crisis and the perpetual global trade wars. So welcome, Jonathan. Good to host
1: you on this session today. Well, thank you, Vishnu. It's it's great to be with you, and you know we've spoken before, and uh, I always find the I always find our talks somewhat far-reaching and and interesting and thought-provoking.
0: Great. Uh, so, Jonathan, you've been associated with the supply chain industry for about 30 years, I believe, and over this time, you must have seen several disruptions occur within the logistics market. Um, so in that context, how bad do you figure the disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic to be uh, compared to previous crises like, say, the 2008 recession or a black swan event like the 9-11 attacks?
1: Well, Vishnu, there, there is nothing that I'm aware of in history, even uh, before I was born and involved in the industry, there's nothing that compares to this from a logistics perspective. Um, while while the humanitarian impacts are, are horrible, um, I do think that from a logisticians perspective and an investor's perspective in logistics, um, it's actually going to create some enormous uh, and interesting opportunities. But this is by far the the, the biggest. So as you know, Vishnu, uh, you know we we uh, uh, we try to look for as an investor and operator, we try to look for transformation. We try to look for disruption, and so well in advance of. Uh, You know, uh, back in the in the 90s, well in advance of the airlines going through their disruption. uh, We saw that coming. We started to make investments in the airline industry and and, and in tools around the airline industry, uh, information tools and others. And then we got deeply involved in that. And and, you know, we saw that disruption occur. Um, It was significant, but it was somewhat isolated. It was isolated to North America. It was generally isolated to the uh, to the airline industry. Of course, it flops over into hotels and it flops over into you know, transportation and things like that, but it tends to be isolated. Uh, the same was true uh, before the uh, transformation of the utility industry, deregulation. We saw that coming. Uh, we got involved early on, well before that, that disruption occurred, and we were there when that disruption occurred. Um, and again, it was isolated, uh, mostly in the Western U.S. and mostly in the utility business. But this This reaches every corner of the earth, and so that creates tremendous complexity. Now, we saw some of this coming. We certainly didn't see COVID coming, but we saw that the logistics business needed to be, the industry needed to transform. It needed to adopt technology. It needed to understand information. Uh, It needed to apply big data, and and all of this was coming uh, as a result of, of, really, of technology and changes in consumer buying patterns. So about 10 years ago, in anticipation of what we now see, we started buying functional companies in that industry. We bought trucking companies and we bought warehousing companies and not so much because we thought those were great opportunities, although they were, um, but but more because we wanted to really understand the nuts and bolts of, you know, how does a port work? How does a warehouse work? How does it interact with its stakeholders that surround it? How does it interact with the trucks that show up? How does it interact with rail? So we understand that deeply because we, we, we have functional expertise in those particular areas. Now, all of a sudden, you have COVID. COVID was an accelerant. We were already going through change, but change is very hard. And change is hard for two reasons. One, when you have big industries that are undergoing transformation, the, the culture within an industry tends to be difficult to change. You know, people like to, they, they don't like change. We, 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 none of us like change. We like to do things the way we did them all along. And so that's, that makes it hard. I would call that cultural disruption. The other problem is that you have embedded infrastructure, particularly in supply chain. You've got roads and, and trucks and ships and warehouses and all kinds of stuff uh, uh, and information systems that's embedded infrastructure. You don't flip a switch and change that embedded infrastructure. They, it, it leaves you with with what are called stranded costs. Gee, I spent uh, you know five million dollars on a new warehouse management system. I can't just abandon that because I you know because the the industry is changing. So there has been about a ten year run of of the uh, supply chain and and uh, the eco the supply chain ecosystem. Beginning to morph slowly, slowly, slowly. COVID was the catalyst. There is no question. And every time there's transformation, you need a catalyst. So when I was doing uh, investing in the airline business, we saw it coming. We knew the airlines had to change. We knew they had to adapt to uh, to uh, the deregulation. What was the catalyst? The catalyst was 9/11. Today, the catalyst for change in the supply chain is covid. We're going to go from about 12, uh, 11 to 13% somewhere in that range of internet distribution, we're going to go to 35 to 40, maybe even 50% internet distribution. That is going to change the entire system. So, as you as you may know, we've tried to make investments in companies that are going to uh, benefit from this. So, one of the companies that we've invested in as you know is uh, something called the Warehouse Exchange, which is the sort of the Airbnb of warehouse because we know people are gonna need a lot more flexibility. And if you think about warehouse space, warehouse space is a very static uh, very static asset. I either have dedicated space where I make a 10, 15 year commitment and I either own the building or I lease the building, or you have 3PL where I make a three to five year commitment to a 3PL uh, for a lot of space and a lot of material handling equipment. You need a flexible component. Warehouse Exchange allows you that flexible component. So on warehouse exchange, we're putting buyers and sellers together, and you know there's, there's a lot of excess space in the marketplace. There's just no place for it to, con, uh, to conduct business. So I hope that's helpful. But to answer your question, I, I think that this is the most dramatic disruption and will cause the most dramatic change of any disruption in any industry uh, that, I, that I know of in my lifetime, or that I can look back and see, uh, you know, in, in recent history. And I, and I study, I study history. Uh, you know, the one thing we don't learn from history is we don't learn from history. So I try to study history and I try to study systems development. I study how the rails developed. I study how the, how cell phones developed. Those are all systems. And, and, and uh, so we're, we're really at a, at a fantastic point where innovation is just going to explode uh, in the logistics space. Do you think that would be a definitive shift in the way and
0: also you know, in the demographic markets that these stakeholders dip into for their product needs? So uh, to be more precise, I'm looking to understand the possibilities of nearshore sourcing versus um, stakeholders persisting with sourcing from cheap manufacturing markets that are far away from home. Um, you did mention that the work, the average worker cost in China is going up, and the average worker cost in North America is going down, probably because of um, digitalization and economies of scale. But I see that a lot of companies are moving towards Southeast Asia or towards the Indian subcontinent to, uh, you know, make uh, cheaper goods. So, do you think this COVID nineteen crisis would Kind of, um, you know, create a shock within global supply chains and push stakeholders to try, you know, near into nearshore markets to produce it
1: um, much closer uh, to where they sell the goods. So remember how we think about logistics, which is really the movement of any kind of an asset, whether it's a, you know, an electron or a box or anything within a system. And so we've been called upon as an investor to invest in all kinds of things, which include airlines and utilities and, and freight ecosystems, and so anything that, that sort of moves. And, and you know those disruptions, if you think back to the airline industry and deregulation, that was quite disruptive. If you think back to, to the utilities, that was quite disruptive through deregulation. And, um, but nothing compares to what we've got today. And I'll tell you why. Um, And we're seeing it in our portfolio. Um, And, and, you know, so we own a portfolio of logistics companies over the past 10 years. We've been almost exclusively focused on investing in the freight ecosystem and particularly uh, data and data information and analytics within that freight industry as the industry begins to uh, morph uh, dramatically. So here's why I think things are changing as a result of uh, of, uh, of COVID more dramatically than ever before. In every other disruption, in every other transformative stage uh, uh, of, a, of an industry, uh, y- you know, you, you've got it, it tends to be isolated by um, vertical. So when I was involved in the airline industry and we were heavily invested in United Airlines, um, you know, it was isolated to the airlines. It was generally isolated geographically uh, to, the north, to, northern, to North America. Um, you know, sure, it flops over into hotels and it flops over into other forms of transportation, but generally, it, it tends to be isolated in, in, those, in those industries. When, same thing when I did, uh, I, we, we represented and, and, and were the largest investor in Pacific Gas and Electric. Um, here in California, when they went through their reorganization, that was the largest investor-owned utility in the world. Um, they had to—they went through tremendous disruption. But again, it was isolated to mostly the Western U.S. and it was isolated to—you um, uh, know—it was isolated to the to the uh, utility industry. And again, it flops over into some other industries, but it's isolated. In in this pandemic, it crosses every geography. And it crosses every industry. Now, now why why is that important? I mean, the reason that it's important is as an investor, what we're always trying to do is we're trying to predict the future. There are certain things we know, and there's a lot of things we don't know. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to take the facts that we know, and we're trying to look out five years, and we're trying to say, what's the world going to look like in five years? So that's a lot easier to do when you're dealing only with a one industry and one geography. You can, because it's much more isolated, it's much more tangible, you can sort of wrap your head around it. But when you say to me, look, uh, uh, you know, not only are the airlines going to go bankrupt, not only are, you know, 30% of retail going to go bankrupt, the restaurants are going to go bankrupt, but tell me what that means when those various industries uh, go through transformation. How how is one industry going to affect the other? So as you can understand, Vishnu, it's it's a geometric puzzle. So when you have one industry that's transforming, it's arithmetic. When you have two, it's not two, it's two times two. And when you have three, it's three times three. Because those you 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 each industry has an impact on the other. These are all related. So these all have relationships and. So it makes it much more difficult as an investor, although it creates a lot of opportunity. Um, A few months down the
0: lane, if we are faced with a situation that the WHO has warned about, scenario where we cannot produce a comprehensive vaccine under, you know, stuck with the new normal. What are your expectations on the health of global supply chains, Uh, you know, the wake of a prolonged pandemic, uh, insistent trade wars, and also an inevitable economic meltdown?
1: Well, look, I think the best thing we can do, and I I sit on the advisory board to the Department of Commerce, um, and, uh, you know, it's something that we're very conscious of. The best thing we can do is get ready because you know, right now we have a vaccine problem. We don't have a vaccine, but I think we'll we'll come up with a vaccine. But I have absolutely no expertise in coming up with a vaccine. The minute you have a vaccine, you're going to have a logistics problem. How do we get it to people? How do we track it? How do we track? Uh, how do we overlay the information about where the vaccine's working, where it's not working? where there are hot spots coming back. So, so all of a sudden, that information becomes very valuable. So I think as logisticians, we, we really need to uh, focus on the future. What can we do? I mean, I, you know, we're, we're not going to – I'm a systems guy. Uh, I'm an investor in, in systems. I'm not going to help anybody come up with a, a, a new vaccine. Let the, let the experts do that. But I think we play a very, very important part in the supply chain – of making sure that we're ready for that vaccine, and that we know where it needs to be, and we know how to get it there, and it can be it can be moved very efficiently. We can track exactly what vaccine is going where, which is working, which is not. That's all. That is all geospatial information, and and you know that uh, uh, I've spoken to you before about a company called Esri here in, in Southern California, that are the leaders in geospatial information. We're working very closely with them because you know, geospatial information, is, it, it, it is the logistics industry. It, it is the DNA of the logistics industry. In the
0: backdrop of the COVID-19 crisis and with regard to sourcing strategies and global publishing, do you think uh, that would be a, a definitive shift in the way uh, stakeholders dip into different demographic markets to, uh, for their product needs? Um, to be uh, more precise, I'm looking to understand the possibilities of nearshore sourcing versus stakeholders going for cheap manufacturing
1: markets. You know, there's there's absolutely no question and I, I, uh, that, that we're going to shorten the supply chain and things are going to come uh, closer. So they're going to be Mexico, they're going to be Vietnam, they're going to be other places. But I think there's a number of things going on there, which includes um, people more skeptical about sourcing in China. Um, as a less dependable, uh, uh, you know, source. They want more diversity um, and, and they just want that responsiveness. So it's not just the labor cost. I mean, that's certainly one of them. Uh, but but I think it has to do with uh, the responsiveness of the supply chain and the diversity so that you have a more sustainable supply chain. Uh, and then, all, of course, as you shorten that supply chain, information becomes that much more relevant, right? You You have to have real-time information. Where's my stuff? Where is it in the supply chain? How am I going to get it? Where are the breaks in the supply chain? You need, you need comprehensive analytics. And all of that is coming. Uh, the, the world is going to change. Uh, COVID was a horrible humanitarian crisis in terms of the logistics world. Uh, I think it was a tipping point, And I think it's going to drive um, very much needed change. So, Jonathan, I'd like to
0: thank you for joining me on this very interesting and insightful conversation. Uh, I hope the WHO is wrong and we get a vaccine to this pandemic soon. So with that note, uh, we conclude this session, and I wish you a very great ahead.
1: Thank you. As we as we work through these issues, Vishnu, if we do it together uh, and we uh, you know use the information that we have and the experts we have, uh, we'll get through it all. But I I, I suspect that. The logistics, the global logistics system, the global supply chain will be better, not worse as we come out of this.